But anyway, Proverbs chapter 20, one verse tonight again. Proverbs chapter 20, again, you have a handout this evening. I hope you have a pen uh, to fill out some things this evening, and uh, we'll see where this goes tonight. Proverbs chapter 20, notice verse 4. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg in harvest and have nothing. All right, let's read that together as we typically been doing on Wednesday nights when I say begin. Ready? Begin. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. All right, let's get and pray together. Our Father, we thank you for this evening. It's just a joy to be in your house tonight. Lord, I pray as I preach the message that you've led me to preach tonight to please guide and direct my thoughts and my words this evening. Lord, I pray that uh, this truth we're looking at tonight I know there's many ways, several ways really to look at this passage, but you've led me in a certain direction that it would be clear tonight. Uh, again, we do ask if someone's here that is not certain of their salvation that they would get saved tonight. But then for those of us that do know you, that we claim you as our Savior, I pray that we would live not by the wisdom of this world, but by wisdom from above. And so bless the message, use it to bring glory to yourself, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Years ago, Reader's Digest asked its readers to share with them some of what they call the funniest and lamest excuses that people have ever uttered. And uh, I was reading through them, and there were so many, I, I could have read a hundred of them, but I just picked two of them out. One of them was from a woman from Florida. Here's what she wrote. She wrote, my husband hasn't been to the gym in over a year. One day, I, I already hit a bad, I could feel it already. I, I feel this one's not going to go over well. Anyway, one day I asked him to come with me to the gym. He immediately said, and sharply, no. When I asked why, he said, I need to lose a few pounds before I go back. <laughs> a man from Tucson, Arizona wrote this. He said, I was a federal agent interviewing a young man for his security clearance. I knew that he had been arrested for excessive speeding a few years earlier, but he hadn't said so on his application. When I asked him why, he said that he didn't think the arrest counted. I asked, why wouldn't it count? He said, because I didn't have a driver's license. <laughs> Boy, I, I could have spent all day reading those things. They were really funny. But isn't it amazing, the excuses that people will make? Can I go a step further and say this? Isn't it amazing, the excuses Christians make? Amen. Because we make them as well. Right. Yeah, tonight we're going to continue with this series, Wisdom from Above, and I'm not going to spend too much time laying the foundation. I'm going to jump right into it. But it's a series from the book of Proverbs, as you know. I've been doing it for quite some time. Took a couple breaks from it. But it's entitled from James chapter 3, Wisdom from Above. And the idea is for a believer, there's two ways that you and I can live in this, in this world. Right. We can either, or we can try to combine them, but two basic ways. We can either live by the wisdom of this world. In other words, what the world says. Their philosophies, their, their ideas uh, that are rooted in the philosophies of men. Or we can live by the wisdom of God that's rooted Amen. in His Word given to us by his creator. And we know the book of Proverbs really is the book of wisdom. Right. 
Now, tonight we're going to deal with the subject of excuses, okay? Not just excuses, but I, I, I added a word there, lame excuses, because that's really what we find in this passage. We read, I'll get into the story in a little bit, the slugger will not plow by reason of the cold. There's his excuse. And so the thought here tonight is this, the world lives on making excuses, well, this is why I didn't go to work, or I didn't, this is why I didn't show up on time, or this is why I committed this crime. I have an excuse for it, but God's people should not do that. Right. Uh, we should not have lame excuses. excuses. We should deal in truth right. and honesty and, and sincerity. Right. But the question is, do we? Yeah. Many times we don't. Amen. So tonight I want to preach on this subject, the wisdom of eliminating lame excuses. Now, what do we learn from this verse? I'll read it again. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore, shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. Notice number one, I find in this verse, there's a principle that is declared. Now, this is so simple. I, I plead guilty to simplicity tonight. But notice there's a principle, very simple, yet often ignored principle that is pictured here. And it's a, it's a principle pictured using an agricultural story. Often in the Bible, that's what God does. The Lord Jesus Christ did that. Because almost every culture is familiar with that, uh, with agriculture. And here we are told of a man, notice, very simple, he refuses to plow. That's what it says. Uh, the sluggard will not plow. Notice it's a matter of will. More about that later. Now, that's a problem. Right. That's a big problem, Amen. Uh, especially in Bible times. Right. Because in Bible times, the primary way to feed your family was to grow your own food. That's how you did it. Didn't have a Walmart back then, or Lidl's, or an Aldi. No, what you did was you planted your crops, you, you raised livestock, and it was very difficult and costly to survive if you did not do that. So you had to do that. Everybody did. Now, plowing was the very first stage when planting a new crop. Uh, plowing gets the ground ready. You know this. Again, this is a no-brainer here. Gets the ground ready for planting. It creates a straight, what they call a grained and moist sowing layer for the seed to be planted in. It's real, real simple. One agricultural website said this, quote, plowing is one of the most important soil management practices. They went on to say, it is the most important, but also the most demanding and labor-intensive farm practice. Again, this was all before modern farm equipment. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, in the area of Palestine, they would plow in September, in late September. Then they would sow the seed by middle October. Uh, then they'd wait for it to grow and all of that, water it. Then in the springtime, of course, depending on the crop, uh, the crop would be harvested. So there was a routine. They started late September with the plowing, middle October, sowing the seed in the following spring, the harvest. But notice what this man did he refused to plow he said I'm not going to 
Now, this man who refused to plow, what our verse says, uh, uh, when it comes time to harvest, uh, and everybody else who plowed and planted and did all the work they were supposed to do, they are reaping the rewards of their harvest and enjoying the bounties of their labors. But this man, notice it says, he has nothing. Zero. Well, that's a no-brainer. He didn't plan anything, dummy. You didn't plow. You didn't throw seed down. So this is a very simple, yet a very important, vitally important Bible principle. And that is this. If you want to get certain results, it's going to require work. It's going to require effort. It's going to require, call it sweat equity. Understand something. This is how God has designed life. Yeah, oh, I want all these things, but I don't want to do anything. That's not how it works. God has a principle here that we work and then we receive the fruits of our labor. And he blesses our labor. Uh, That goes as far back as Genesis chapter 3 and verse 19. In the sweat of thy face, God said, after sin, thou shalt eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. So God says that uh, you're going to eat bread in the sweat of your face. It's going to require work and effort and toil and weeding and all those things. 2 Thessalonians 3.10, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. That's why I'm very anti-brown sign. You know what I'm talking about. The cardboard sign. If you could stand there, and I've seen them walk up and down and do all kinds of things, and I'm thinking, well, why can't you get a job then? Uh, But anyway, let's not get into how hard the preacher is. But anyway, now again, what we're talking about here is the principle, God's principle, of sowing and reaping, right? I mean, that's principles in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I heard one preacher put it this way. I like this uh, statement that he made. He said, you reap a harvest where you place the emphasis. And that is true. Well, the place, the things you emphasize that you work on, that you get an effort, put an effort into and have sweat equity into, those are things you're going to reap from. Again, you reap a harvest where you place the emphasis. So here it is. If you want to enjoy a blessed harvest, what do you have to do? You got to plow. You got to plow. Now, you cannot expect a harvest if you refuse to plow. That's what this man was doing. Uh, Now, again, wise men understand this. We get it. I mean, if you're wise here tonight, you get it too. And you're in church, so I I assume you're at least wise to some point. But uh, we may not like plowing. We may not not enjoy plowing. We understand it's hard. It's effort. I got to get up. I got to work. I got to do all those things. But we sure like the results. And so we like the results so much that we look at it and say, you know what? It's worth the plowing because that's what I'm going to get. And if I don't plow, I'm not going to get it. And there's no other way to get these results without plowing. So guess what? 
I got a plow. That's a principle in the Bible. Now, this principle, this Bible principle, applies to every single area of life. So let's look at a few, what I would call pretty important areas here, some areas where this principle applies. First of all, letter A, write it down, in spiritual maturity. You know, it's God's desire that all of us, all of us that know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, that we grow spiritually, that we mature, that we don't remain children in the faith, but we become those that are of full age, perfect, if you will, as the Bible uses the definition of perfect to fully mature. That's what God wants. He wants all of us to be there. As a matter of fact, we read some verses like we have listed here. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. That's a command. God wants you to grow. He wants me to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 2.2 As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. So there it is. God wants you and I to be spiritually mature and grow. I like Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14, that we henceforth, in other words, from this time forward, we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up uh, into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. There it is. God says, don't remain a child. I don't want you to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine that comes by. I want you to know what you believe Amen. and why you believe it. But guess what? If you're going to reap that harvest uh, of spiritual maturity, guess what we're going to have to do? Plow. Amen. We're going to have to plow. We have to work. It's going to take an effort. That means we're going to have to do some things like this. Read our Bible every day consistently. Uh, have a prayer life. Pray to the Lord every day consistently. Uh, that means we're going to have to be faithful to church, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, revival services, jubilees, all those things. Uh, oh, that's a lot, preacher. Do you want the result? Uh, do you want that fruit? Uh, do you want that harvest? I do. Well, guess what? I got to do this then. That means we have to study our Bible. We have to work through a, maybe discipleship material, maybe take a seminary class. Uh, in other words, we are going to have to work if we want to reap the harvest. There's no other way. That's it. Amen. I thought of another area, letter B, and that is this. In our marriages and family, and I say I'm speaking plurally. I'm not saying you have a bunch of marriages, but in marriage and family. So let me ask you this. Do you want to have a family and a marriage that's pleasing to God? Of course you do. Do you want to have a marriage and a family that God blesses? Of course you do. Amen. Do you want your children to turn out for God? I understand they have a free will, but doing your part, uh, you say, yes, I want them to live for God. So Amen. do I. I want my grandchildren right. to as well. Guess what that means? It's going to take work. Right. Amen. We're going to have to plow. You're going to have to do things like... Uh, have consistent family devotions. Uh, you're going to have to do things like, again, bring the whole family to church. Don't just send the little ones. 
you come as well. Uh, go to things uh, like a family camp uh, and again, the special meetings. Uh, those things are all a part of working on your marriage and family. You know, the couples retreat. Uh, well, that was money and time. I get it, but it's work. I get it. But you're trying and I'm trying to reap a harvest in this area. Therefore, I have to do those things uh, that will produce the harvest. That means going home and playing my role as a husband. That means going home and playing our roles for you wives uh, to submit to your husbands and so forth. Uh, as parents, it means you are to consistently discipline your uh, children and do it biblically. It means in your home, you, you're going to have to have Bible standards, uh, uh, standards of music and dress uh, and provide for them a Christian education. You say, preacher, that sounds like hard work. Yes, plowing is the most labor intensive thing that a farmer does. It's tough. Serve the Lord together. Go soul winning together. Amen. Work in the bus ministry together, whatever it may be. Those things cost time. It costs money. It costs energy and effort. But they're all a part of plowing. Now, young person in the Christian school, you want to do well in the school? Yeah. You want to get a good job later? Yeah. You want to even, you know, serve the Lord and, and do, yeah. Maybe not called in the ministry. You want to go to college. Yeah. You got to plow. Right. You have to plow. Amen. That means every day in school you have to work and work and work. Why is that? You say, Peter, I don't like that. Uh, join the club. But that's part of it if we're going to get that harvest. Uh, and I thought of a third area, a key area, letter C, and that is the ministry. All of us should be serving in a ministry, right? I think so. And if you're not, then see me afterwards and get you plugged in somewhere. But uh, do you want to see people saved? I do. Well, how's that going to happen? <laughs> Got to witness. Got to hand out tracts. Got to talk to people. Preacher, that's work. Yes. It's effort. Yes. It takes time. Yes. It interrupts my schedule. Yes. That's what plowing does. We want to see as a church more people baptized. We should. That's part of the Great Commission. Uh, then what do we have to do? We have to plow. We have to work. It, it's not like we just hang a sign out there. Hey, anybody want to be baptized? Come on in. You know. No, it's going to require us going after people. Right. How about your specific ministry? Maybe you're a Sunday school teacher. You want that, that class to grow? Oh, then guess what? You have to plow. Right. Uh, bus workers, wow, great campaign. Do uh, you want to do well in this bus campaign? Amen. It's not going to happen if you just sit back and just pray. And that you got to go too. Yes, pray, but you go as well. You have to plow. That's a part of it. If we're going to reach souls and make a difference in this world for the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to require work, plowing, all of that. And if we refuse to plow, don't expect it. Don't expect the results that we could have had uh, if we did plow. That is the principle we're seeing here in this verse and throughout the Bible. Then notice number two, we see the person described. Now this this, this uh, might take a little bit of a turn, this message of what you might think the route it was going. But notice the person here. We read in, in, in chapter 20 and verse 4, the sluggard. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. 
So notice we're told why, why is this guy, everybody, I mean, it's, it's time to go out, it's, uh, it's plowing time, and everybody's hitching up their stuff, their equipment and all of that, maybe they're attaching their oxen and getting ready to go, and here's this guy sitting in his house saying, not me, I'm not doing it. Again, he will not, and we're told why, because he's a, he's a sluggard. That's why he's not going. He, he, he is a slugger. In other words, he's lazy. Now, this man, understand, this man that's a sluggard, uh, that's lazy, uh, he, he may desire the results. In fact, many, probably everybody does. In other words, I want those things. And he does as well. He wants those results. He wants spiritual maturity. He wants to have a good family. He wants to have a good marriage. Uh, he wants to have good grades. Uh, he wants to be a soul winner. He wants to, his Sunday school class to grow and his bus ministry, to, uh, bus route to grow. But the problem is he wants all of that. And if you ask him, oh, yeah, I want my bus route to grow. I want my Sunday school class uh, to grow. But the problem is he doesn't want to pay the price. He doesn't want to do what's required to get those results. Uh, you see, it's not a matter of ability. It's not like he can't do it. Right. He won't do it. He refuses to do it. He's a sluggard. It's interesting, the uh, book of Proverbs warns frequently about the danger of being a sluggard. And uh, I'll, I'll just be quite transparent with you tonight. When I was growing up, I didn't want to work. I went through that, that phase like you do when you're in junior high and so forth. You know, uh, you know up, up until about eighth grade, uh, I had enough intelligence to, to not have to study. And so I just listened in class and I wouldn't take any books home. You know, I'd just go in and, take, and I'd get a B or C, whatever. I didn't, I didn't have to work. I, that, that was my goal. But then when ninth grade and so on hit, it got harder and harder and harder, and I realized my grades were going down. And I had to, do, I had to, real, I had to get over myself and realize, you know what, if I'm going to go to college here, if I'm going to do anything in life, i got to work. And it finally clicked in that, 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 that i got to work. I mean, I can't get around this thing. And so people, we, we deal with that. And the book of Proverbs talks a lot about that type of person that maybe wants the results, but, but they don't want to do the work. Uh, a sluggard is mentioned six times in the Bible, and all six of them are in the book of Proverbs. That's interesting, I thought. Another Bible word we'll see here in a little bit to describe the same type of person is the slothful. The slothful mentioned 15 times in the Bible, 11 times in the book of Proverbs. What are some things that the Bible says about this person that's called a sluggard that sits back and he can work, but he refuses to work? Here's some things he says. Uh, go over to Proverbs chapter 19. You, you should be right there. First thing is this. The, the sluggard, the slothful, letter A, he lacks diligence. Look at Proverbs 19 and verse 24. The Bible says, a slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. In other words, he doesn't give his full effort to things. He, he only does 
what is required of him. Even if that, uh, he may have to be hounded to even do what's required of him. Uh, he's the type of guy with a sluggard and the slothful that money slips through his fingers. Uh, he just is a waster. He wastes money. He wastes time. He wastes opportunities. Uh, he doesn't want to work. He, he is a sluggard. And by the way, uh, somebody like that uh, may even serve in a ministry, but they do it half-heartedly. And just to say they did something. But there's no, there's no heart behind that. Uh, he lacks diligence. And so what does he do? He refuses to plow. He lacks diligence. And then letter B, another thing the Bible says about the sluggard is that he loves sleep. So he's not diligent. He, he doesn't give his full effort. So well, whatever, you know. And, uh, but then also Proverbs 26 and verse 14. Look over there. The Bible says this. It says, as the door turneth upon his hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. Right. Proverbs 20 and verse 13 says, love not sleep. Now, this sleep that the Bible's talking about could apply two ways. It could talk about actual sleeping, that he sleeps all day, sleeps till noon or one o'clock. But it also could apply to just being lazy. I mean, just, just there. He's, you see, a sluggard doesn't have any ambition. He talks about things of no value. Uh, he, he's involved with things that are great time wasters, uh, uh, things that he might like to do, but they, not things he has to do that's plowing. No. Uh, for example, uh, a sluggard will spend hours on social media and just looking at stuff, uh, watching, spending hours watching pointless YouTube videos. By the way, that's not a hard thing to do. Now, one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another, and you're watching this, next thing you know, an hour's gone by, and you're like, what in the world? What, what am I doing here? Uh, the sluggard loves doing things like this, playing video games. I'm not totally against video games. I don't play them. I, I think they're kind of silly, but anyway. Uh, I was going to use another word, but I didn't want to hear it later. But, uh, but they're great time wasters. I mean, get a life. If you're 20, over 20 years old, stop already. I just think they're foolish. Uh, they, but anyway, uh, they, they spend hours, the sluggard, laying on the couch, uh, just laying there, watching sports, watching TV, doing nothing around the house, and all of that consumed with things they want to do, maybe their hobbies like golf or fishing or hunting or whatever it may be. You see, a sluggard is a great time waster. And that's why this guy's saying, I'm not going to plow, because he's a sluggard. He's a lazy man. Uh, by the way, a sluggard could be saved and baptized and a member of the church, but he's not going to get involved. He's not going to give his life to work and dig in with all his strength in the ministry. Uh, he's not interested in spiritual matters. Why? Because to him, it's not worth the effort. He's a sluggard. So he lacks diligence. He loves sleep. And then there's a third thing. He lives in frustration. You say, why is that? Because it just don't work out the way he thinks it's going to work out. And let me show you what I mean. Go to Proverbs 21 and verse 25. Notice the desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. Here's why. Here he is sitting on his couch doing nothing, 
And uh, he wants a harvest. He wants a, a, a great harvest to come in for his family. He wants to reap those things. And he may even have conversations with people. Yeah, boy, I'd love to have a great harvest. I really would. But he doesn't like the answer to, you know, to getting that. And the person, people will say, well, we'll plow. Amen. Go get a plow and right. plow and, and, and plant a seed and, and water. No, I'm not doing that. But I want a great harvest. I really do. Then plow. Right. And what happens is he wants it. He wants something, but he's not willing to do the things to get what he wants. And so what happens is he lives a frustrated life. And by the way, he frustrates everybody else around him, too. Because he wants that and wants that and wants that. You see, a sluggard, it's amazing what a sluggard is like. Because, boy, they have dreams. They think of all these wonderful things. Yeah, I'm going to be rich one day. and Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. We're going to live somewhere in some palace somewhere. In, in whatever. But they don't want to plow. But they don't want to do the work it takes to get that. Uh, they have all kinds of words and dreams and desires and plans. They want many things. Boy, they're good talkers. I mean, they can convince people. Very convincing with their words. But again, he doesn't want to work or plow to attain those things and reap the harvest. He wants spiritual maturity. He wants a good marriage in his mind. Well, then do this and do that. No, I'm not doing that. Well, you ain't going to get it then. You are a sluggard. So as he's frustrated with this and people are trying to tell him about what he needs to do, that leads us to the next point, number three, and that is this. Not only the principle declared, not only the person described, notice the problem revealed. So what's the problem here? Notice we read, the sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. In other words, the goal of the sluggard is to avoid work. He's trying to take the path of least resistance, but the sluggard is conceited and he refuses to face the reality of what he is. Proverbs 26, 16, the sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. He thinks he's smarter than everybody else. Oh, you dummies, you're going to be, look at you working and working and working, and I'm just sitting back enjoying life. And he thinks he's smarter, but you ain't going to get what you think you're going to get. Right. There's a problem here. And so, so what does he do? What does he do when he's in this predicament? Here's what he does. He makes excuses. He constantly makes excuses for why he's not plowing. Right. Well, I would plow, but, you know, I got reasons I don't plow. He finds a reason. He makes an excuse. He tries to justify why he's not plowing, why he's not doing the things that would produce a desired harvest. And so the, the sluggard always comes up with a lame excuse. We have one here, and I want to read it here in a minute. I came across an article that was entitled, How to Deal with People Who Always Make Excuses. It's a very good article. I don't know if I had a Christian, uh, the guy was a Christian, but it was, it was good, and it, and it did uh, agree with things in the Bible. But it, the author wrote this. Now, listen closely because it's, it's good. He says, excuses are convenient reasons why people won't do something that they should be doing that would benefit them if they did. 
And those you do it, it benefits you and excuses. You just, they won't do it, but it's, it's going to benefit you. You're only hurting yourself. He goes on to say this. Excuses are, short, are a short-term vehicle of happiness that brings with them immediate satisfaction at the expense of something greater down the line. In other words, when he makes the excuse, he has this idea. I gave this, why aren't you plowing? Well, 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 it's cold. And so the person leaves him alone. He sits back and he thinks, well, look at that. I got, I got away with not plowing. No, because the harvest time's going to come. And so you're, you have a temporary satisfaction, a temporary happiness, because you think uh, you're sitting pretty there not doing anything. But wait till harvest time comes, and you're going to realize uh, you gave away that at the expense of feeling happy right now. Right. He goes on to say this, number three. Excuses cause people to give up on their goal rather than accept the challenge or struggle that goes with their goal. Yeah. Oh, it's cold. Oh. No, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Okay, I'm going to get to that here, here in a minute. So I want to ask you tonight, are you or do I l- use lame excuses to justify not plowing? You say, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to show you here. Notice, I'm going to give you three ways to identify a lame excuse. And let me put a disclaimer here of this. I'm not talking about times that there are legitimate excuses. Because there are truly legitimate excuses. Okay, if, if someone has a broken leg, they can't run a marathon, okay? Uh, and that's an excuse. Well, yeah, yeah, well, you know, toughen up. Come on now. now. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about lame excuses, okay? So let's talk about it. Here's how, here's how you identify in yourself, and let's talk about that. Let's Amen. not talk about other people. Right. A, a lame excuse, okay? Letter A, write this down. A lame excuse, first of all, let me turn this over so I read it right. It often contains an element of truth. Watch this. He says the sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. It probably was cold that day. It probably, it, it, it was time to plow. It was, it, was, it was a little cold. Can I ask you something, though? What does that have to do with plowing? Right. It's a lame excuse. Yes. Who says you can't plow when it's cold? Right. You can plow when it's cold. Right. Matter of fact, you're out there, you're going to get warm awful fast. Just go out and plow. But they're using it, so it does contain an element of truth. Now watch this. We do the same thing. We give a lame excuse, or many times people do, of why we don't come to church. Why I wasn't there Wednesday night. Why I'm not going to be at the revival. Or why why I don't go soul winning. Why I don't tithe. I have a reason. Or, or, or why I don't read my Bible, or why, why we don't have family devotions. Many times, I want us to examine our excuses and ask Amen. ourselves, are, are they lame? Amen. What is the excuse? Well, preacher, here's a nice lame one, I'm tired. Is anybody not tired? If you aren't, come on over to the Elisha house. We'll fix that real quick, Amen. Come over to someone. Right now. Uh, or, or how about this? Well, I just don't feel real good. Or how about this one? I, I, I don't feel like it. I just, I just don't feel like it. Or, or like this, it's cold out. It, it's cold out. And by the way, that may be, those things may be true. You may be tired. Right. You may not feel the best. Uh, but uh, guess what? 
Join the tired club. Uh, join the not feeling great club. I mean, God, preachers have to get in the pulpit. No matter how you feel, guess what? Amen. I mean, your tongue hanging out. You're going to get up there, throw a few Advil in, and you're preaching. Amen? Amen. And then conk out afterwards. My point is this. There, there's no turning back there. Right. Again, I'm not talking about if you're dying and you can't. I'm talking about, I just, I just tired tonight. I don't feel it. Too bad. Amen. Get up there and let it go. Uh, and uh, Join the not feeling too good club. Uh, uh, that just happens. Listen, age happens to all of us. Uh, you get up with aches and pains and so forth. And there's times we just don't feel like doing stuff. So why would that stop us from plowing? Doing the things we know we're supposed to do. Right. Who says you can't come to church when you're tired? Where's that in the Bible? Uh, who, who says you can't uh, come to church when, you, when, when it's cold out? Right. That's what he said, right? It's cold out. What's it have to do with coming to church? Put on Jack and go to church. Amen. Uh, uh, who says you, uh, that you shouldn't read your Bible when you don't feel like it? Amen. Or you're tired. I read my Bible tired many times. Okay? I'm tired, but guess what? That's what we got to do. You got to plow. I want the harvest. You want the harvest. What do we do? We do what we have to do. Uh, uh, who says you can't have family devotions when you had a long day at work? Uh, toughen up uh, and just do what you're supposed to do. Yeah, we're tired. That's a lame excuse. How about visiting your bus route? You can do that when you're tired. You can do that when you don't feel real great. You see, we may not feel like it. It may be cold out or hot out or too nice out. We always have an excuse. But it's a lame excuse, isn't it? Right. Amen. Isn't it more than one person? Isn't it? Right. It is. And so, again, a lame excuse often, it does contain an element of truth. I'm not saying you're not tired. I'm not saying you're not feeling the best. But is that an excuse to not do the things we know we're supposed to do? Uh, you know, I like to say this to people. They say, well, I'm not, I don't feel real good. Should I come to church when I'm not feeling real, real good? Here's what I say. If you would go to work, then you should go to church. Good. If you're going to call in sick from work, if you would have in that, then you do the same thing here. But people have this idea, well, well, I can't go to, go to church if I'm not feeling 100%, because I can go to work tomorrow. And guess what? If I'm feeling bad in the morning, I'm going anyway. Why don't you do that with church? Amen. Right? Because we're trying to get to harvest. Boy, this is going over well. I feel it. I feel the love in the room tonight. Amen. All right, so again, letter A, there it is. It, it often contains an element of truth. Uh, here's another thing, letter B, real quick. It always clings to an exaggeration. It always exaggerates. Right. You see, the implication of the sluggard here, the sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Now, I know I'm not, we don't see this in the Bible, but I can imagine this guy when somebody was asking him, how come you're not plowing? Oh, oh, it's so cold out there. Right. And you know, I'm, I'm, from, I'm from Florida, and I have thin blood, and I, I just can't do it. Oh, it's so cold. There's always an exaggeration. It always is. When you're trying to make a lame excuse, you're going to take something that's true, and man, you're going to blow that thing up big to excuse why I'm not plowing. How can you expect preacher people to come out? Subarctic weather. How do you expect that? Uh, with, how do you expect people to plow with frostbitten hands? Stop already. Put on some gloves. Put in some hand warmers. Go plow. Amen. Amen. 
And by the way, it's interesting. Uh, it's, I was doing some reading on this, this here topic here. And, and, and it very rarely gets extremely cold in Palestine. But he's, he's making that an excuse. The problem is a sluggard always exaggerates to get out of doing what he should be doing. And uh, more often than not, he's not that tired. It's not that cold that you can't do what you're supposed to do, read your Bible, go to church, and have family devotions. Uh, really, the, the fact of the matter, the problem is this. He doesn't want to. Right. It's amazing how we do, when we really want to do something, right. but we're going to find a way to do it. I mean, we're going to find a way to do it. And of course, but the sluggard, uh, the one that doesn't want to plow, uh, no, no, no. And again, I'm saying, certainly there are times that people, yeah, they're too sick to come to church. I get that. But many times, it is a lame excuse, and it includes an exaggeration. There's a third thing, since we're having so much fun. Amen. It often contains an element of truth. It always contains an exaggeration. It even sometimes proclaims a fabrication. Right. Sometimes people just lie. Well, where were you last Sunday night? Well, I was sick. And then you hear through the grapevine, oh, yeah, we went out to this place on Sunday night. Huh? Thought you were sick. Oh, 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 oh. It's hard to keep track when you're lying. If, if you're just honest about things, you don't have to think about anything right. because you just tell the truth, right? And so, again, some people do that. Uh, Proverbs 26, 13, the slothful man saith, there's a lion in the way. Uh, and a lion is in the streets. Do you know how many uh, lions are in Palestine? Zero. There's no lion out there. Lions don't live here. That'd be like me saying tonight, there's a polar bear outside the door. And so I get to preach another hour. Oh, no. Amen. Amen. So sometimes, again, so what's the goal? Again, the goal of the sluggard is always the same to get out of plowing. And the problem with the sluggard is this. Get this. We're wrapping it up here. It's the heart. It's a heart issue because if you, I mean, if your heart's right, you, you want to read your Bible. You want to have prayer. You want to come to church. You want to be at revival. You want to serve the Lord. You want to do all of that. And, and, and the person whose heart is right with God, they're not looking for reasons why we can't do something. We're looking for ways to get it done. And that's the difference. And then number four, and we're done real quick. Notice the product displayed. So, how does this thing all end up? Well, that sluggard, he gets away with it, man. He doesn't, he doesn't have to uh, plow, and he's just sitting there when everybody else is working, and they're not serving the Lord, and they're not faithful to church. Uh, look at them. They're getting away with it. No, they're not. Right. No, they're not. Amen. Don't get mad. Amen. Pity them. Because notice what it says here in Proverbs 20, verse 4. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. Right. He's going to have nothing. You see, you may uh, convince everybody else with lame excuses, uh, but really you're only hurting yourself. You're not hurting other people. You're the one. You're sacrificing the harvest. You're, you're sacrificing your spiritual maturity. You're sacrificing your marriage. You're sacrificing your family. You're sacrificing your ministry. You're sacrificing your service to God. You're not getting away with anything. So what do we do? Well, I think the, the title of it kind of says it. Eliminate lame excuses. Right. Amen. Just be honest with yourself. Amen. Be honest with God. And even, so you, even, even though you don't feel like it sometimes, 
and you may not even want to sometimes, just go ahead and plow. Go ahead and plow by faith. Amen. Put your hand to the plow and start plowing. And you know, when you start plowing, you're going to realize your, your attitude's going to change about plowing. Because you're going to plow thinking of, you know what, it's going to be some field someday. As each line gets carved out by the plow, and you're thinking about that seed you're going to throw in there, Amen. and you get at the end of the day, and you see all that field there ready to roll, and you watch as you put the seed and do all the work that's necessary, boy, you're going to feel good about it. Amen. And then the day's going to come. And the harvest is going to come. And you're going to look back and say, you know, that was hard work. And I was tired sometimes. And I didn't feel like it. And I could have made a lot of excuses about not plowing. But I'll tell you what, I'm sure glad I plowed. Because look what we got because of it. That's the way it ought to be. Eliminating lame excuses. Amen.